Rocky Mountain Oysters. They're called meatballs in, in Canada, <laughs> as they should be. Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs, A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare-traveling, craft-beer-drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rick. I'm Brian. I'm Dolan. On the Zoom again, clearly, as you can tell from the glitchiness, but you know what? We're making the best of what we got. And I see Brian is wearing the hat. I am. I went to the closet. <laughs> there we go. The brewery that we're going to this week, brewery that's near and dear to my heart. I've got some favorites along the way that I have frequented, you know, many, many times. This is probably, I, you could make an argument, this is my second favorite brewery in the world. Next to Crossstream. Next to cross drain, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Wow. So this is Rock Cut Brewery from Estes Park, Colorado. This is their Pilsner. And if you've been paying attention over the last, oh, I don't even know, two months, three months. Yeah, I'd say at least six weeks, eight weeks maybe, yeah. Ish. Uh, I, I've talked a lot about how my palate has changed and my tastes have changed. And maybe I've grown tired of the IPAs and maybe the, you know, we, we always make fun of the milkshake IPAs and stuff like that, which those are fun. But I find myself looking for Pilsners and lagers now. And so this is their Pilsner and it's called Enos Pils. And there's a reason for that. Oh, okay. Good. And I will, I, that's part of my research and I will get into that a little bit. Good. Uh, it, it's it's very fun though the the name is a play on a historic figure in the in the area okay because the so, only enos i know i think like there was an enos on uh uh dukes of hazard i believe so wasn't yeah. he cooter's was he cooter's cousin i don't know he was a cop he was like the second in command to mm. He was he Eco was Roscoe's he was yeah. Roscoe's cousin yeah Enos yeah he had Bassin Hound yeah with Flash come on uh, Flash yeah get, get. <laughs> that's what I remember this is before Dolan's time Dolan oh yeah he's like what is happening no no so okay let's look three four years into my beer journey here. I, I, I had a conversation with Scott Strain at, at Cross Strain, obviously. And uh, he told me a story of a brewery out east that needed a new head brewmaster. And he, they said, okay, it's not, we're going to do a, open auditions. Home brewers can come in, bring their beers in. And it's not who can make the best IPA or who could make the best sour, or who can make the best whatever. It's who could make the cleanest Pilsner. Because as easy as it seems to make a Pilsner, it's very hard because you can't cover up any mistakes in a Pilsner. Yeah, true. So this is, as I, I and I always think this in my head, as I guess I'm a drinking a Pilsner, like clean, crisp, refreshing kind of flavor. Am I getting that? And that's how I judge Pilsners. This might be my favorite Pilsner that I've ever had. 
right here. And it just happens to be from your second favorite brewery. They do a nice job. They, as, 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 uh, as mountain towns go, there's four different breweries located in Estes Park, Colorado. And it's no secret, like I've spent a ton of time there. My, my wife's family has been going there for 50 years for vacation oh, dang. And stuff. Yeah, so for a very long time. Have you been there before her? No. She was your introduction to Estes? Yes, even before okay. we were married. Like when we were dating, we went. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah, and that was before. So these guys have only been around since 2015. They just celebrated their five-year anniversary. Okay. Um, but so there are four different breweries there. The one is called, there's the, the one that the OG, the one been there forever is called Estes Park Brewing. That's one I've been to. Yeah. Um, my, I don't mind them. My, yeah. my commentary on them is try something different. Because sure. they've, have, they've had the same things forever. They have the same wheat beer, raspberry. Yeah, the raspberry something or other. I had that. The yeah. blueberry. Their stout is pretty, their stout's, it's, it's good. It's fine. I had it the other day when I was there. It's fine. Uh, and then Rock Cut, obviously, is, uh, is another one. And then uh, there's one called Avant-Garde. So I'm sorry. So there's four. There's only three. Uh, Avant-Garde. I'm okay. sorry. No, there is four. Then there, there is four. Avant-Garde is the, probably the newest one, which is maybe more German style. And then there's one called Lumpy Ridge. And Lumpy Ridge is fun because as you sit in, on their patio, it's an old gas station. Okay. And I actually think back in the day, maybe I got gas at this gas station and now it's a brewery, which is kind of <laughs> really, fun. yeah. Uh, you can see there's actually a part of Estes park out on the mountains and it's called lumpy Ridge. Okay. And it, it really does kind of look like that. It kind of looks just like it's a little hillside that looks kind of sure. So, but they do some fun stuff too and they package some of their stuff, but Rock Cut by far is, is, is head and shoulders above everybody else, I think, there. Just from a, from a, just how they brew, their attention to detail, where they started from, and, you know, that type of thing. I think they're just, they're, they're above and beyond. If you're, if you're a beer guy and you're on vacation, this is where you should go. Okay. That sounds good. So, I did just a little bit of cursory research on rock cut, but not the brewery itself. Cause I kind of wanted to know about the term and I was like, why is it called rock cut? What does that mean? And I wrote down, this is like the quote unquote definition. Uh, but it is the creation of structures, building and or sculptures by excavating solid rock where it naturally occurs. So you're cutting, basically you've got a big rock side and you cut into it and leave some, sculpted or whatnot and that is rock cut so it's designed and or made by man from start to finish so you somebody comes out there and looks and they're like okay i can see this in the rock and they make it happen is it uh is not i guess not popular but it happens a lot in asia or india so some of the best examples of this are in India, it's called a cave or a cavern. You'll see them quite often there, like for temples. Um, the Great Temple of Abu Simbel is one of the episodes that I saw about. I, I watched a little thing on YouTube about it. 
was built in 1280 BC. And there is one that's called, oh boy, Bahubali, B-A-H-U-B-A-L-I. And it is the biggest in the world. It's in India. And it was built in 983 BC. Now, if you've seen movies, you and I will know this movie. Maybe Dolan will. Um, but we're talking Last Crusade, Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. So when they go to that that place at the beginning of the movie and it's all built into the rock, that is a rock-cut feature because oh. it's a sheer rock. They carved that building. That was really used as a bank back in the day for the trade like the spice trade. So a lot of money and stuff happened in that building, you know, thousand years ago. Yep. It happens to show up in a Hollywood movie, but that's rock cut. If you think of that feature. So there's actually a couple different times in Indiana Jones movies that shows up. But um, if you think of those, or if you look it up on online, you're going to see something that you've probably seen before because it's carved or chiseled out of rock 2000 years old and that was just the surface that they had sometimes sandstone um in the united states down in the southwest uh, a lot of like pueblo style buildings would fall under this name of rock cut because there was a sheer cliff face and they just carved into it and made apartments basically uh so that's that's where the name comes from hmm. i don't know if there's a lot of rock cut style like buildings in Estes, but that's, that's where that name comes from. Not necessarily. However, it, it reminds me of, there are a lot of houses because we have looked at houses there. Mm -hmm. Maybe someday we will retire there. I don't know. We, uh, I have, we have looked at houses, open houses, whatever, where their rocks are very, I mean, because there's no shortage of rocks, mountains. Sure. Right there. I mean, it's a mountain town, obviously. But the rock actually is incorporated either into the house, basement, uh, deck, where almost maybe like the deck is built around the rock. Sure. If there is a, like in the basement, like you would think like there would be like an unfinished basement or whatever. And it's just a rock wall or something? It's just a rock. Yeah, it's like yeah. a rock wall that comes down and then you build around that or whatever. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it seems that seems very familiar in in that in that regard. So here's a little because I'm a, I guess I'm a criminal justice guy, right? That's my background. That's my degree. Uh, I was kind of a serial killer person, so I did a lot of research on that and went to speeches and presentations and stuff. Read a lot of books, and the house that's on Cielo Drive, which is Charles Manson territory the one where Sharon Tate was killed and her friends and all that stuff, which you've seen. And if you've ever seen the Tarantino movie, um, mm. it's, it's featured there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in the basement of that house, the whole basement is rock because of where that house was built into. They just carved out into the rock and that's the basement. So if you went into the basement, a lot of times, at least here in Nebraska, you see a lot of dirt floor basements, especially mm -hmm. in smaller towns. Uh, but in this house in California, there's just rock wall and granite floor because it was built out of the side of the of the hill or the mountain. So wow. that's, a, I guess, a tie-in that I always thought was interesting. Hmm. I, I, that's not necessarily uncommon from 
from how that, I, I assume that's probably a very similar style or look to maybe what I'm, what I'm used to there. Sure. Park. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Now where, where the brewery is located, it is right up against maybe a, um, a rock feature. I, I don't know. A feature is not the right word. There's a rock wall kind of right there and you can go up behind it and it, that road would take you to like SS park medical center where the contract that we have that, you know, just right around, right around the corner, but you've got to go up and around. Like it takes you around. Okay. In order to get there. Well, my main focus on this episode for research was something that I know you've been to probably many times. Mm. I've been there before. Uh, it's in the area. And it's something that I always was thought it was, you know, pretty interesting. And it's Rocky Mountain National Park. Yep. So I did a little research on that just to kind of see like, you know, where it comes from and what, what is entail. Um, most of the park was created or changed 11,000 years ago. So there was Ooh. some big ice, uh, I guess you, I'm not icebergs, but like, the ice movement happened. Yeah. Like, so the ground out the ground and changed the rock sculpture, that sort of thing. Um, people back then, like native Americans would use this area to hunt mammoths. So we're, we're talking a long time ago. Um, Utes were in the area and they never really lived there full time. They kind of just came and hunted during the seasons Kind of like now if you're in Hestus and you see like the elk come through, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a thing. So the same was true hundreds or thousands of years ago with uh, native animals in the area. And the, the tribes would follow these animals. And that was one of the ones that was there. It wasn't until about the 1700s that somebody actually lived there full time in this area. Um, in 1800s, early, like 1803, this was part of the Louisiana purchase. So we got like that for pennies on the dollar. We bought a whole bunch of land in the United States and like doubled the size of our country. And uh, that was when that took place. 1820, there's this guy named Stephen Long and he goes to the area and he's like a explorer, I guess, or a cartographer. He's mapping the area and he gets there and, uh, kind of goes around Rocky Mountain National Park area, but he's in that area of Colorado. And you'll see his name in some places. Like there's, I think Long's Peak is one place and a couple other things that are named after him. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1843, it's the first written like documentation of Rocky, the area that would turn into Rocky Mountain National Park by a guy named Rufus Sage. And then in 1859, this is a big year. This is when Pikes Peak Gold Rush hits. So this is what brings a lot of people to the town or to the state. Uh, a lot of towns spring up around there. A lot of businesses happen. I, I remember one of the breweries we talked about had a guy that came out there to sell like implementations to people on the Gold Rush and then decided to sell beer too. Like that sort of stuff happened. But that was in 1859. And that was down towards... Um, well, I guess the guy that was there, this gold rush stuff helped build Greeley, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then also something, I think it says Lulu city. Is that a place? Mm. I don't know. I can't read my own handwriting, but it looks like Lulu city. Mm. So 
there's overfill of, of the town and there's people that want to get there, show up, and they kind of found these other places in Colorado during yeah. that time. So Greeley so what, will sound familiar to people that have listened to us before because that's where Weldworks Brewing is located. And the other one, what's the other one? Wiley Roots. Yeah. So two very prominent, Weldworks, uh, you could argue has like top five IPA in the country right now with Juicy yes. Bits. Yeah, Juicy right? Bits. And, and that's, Greeley is not a very big town. It, it is, it is, it's a suburb of Denver, but it's, it's barely, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a quite funny. a drive to Denver. Yes. But it's kind of fun because it has like a, like a railroad tracks that goes right through the middle of town, which is pretty active. Uh, it has a small town feel to it, but they have big, big town brewery output. Yep. In uh, 1909, it was finally proposed that this would be a national park area. So there had, you know, Yellowstone had happened and Yosemite had happened and a few other places. Mm -hmm. um, this became the 10th national park in the United States. Um, in 19, well, I guess it was 2015. It actually was renamed Rocky Mountain National Park. So it had been something else before that. And during the Great Depression, uh, and we're talking 1930s, late, late 20s, early 30s, um, everybody was looking for jobs. There was the, the New Deal and all that sort of stuff going through. And they decided a lot of work happened on natural or national parks during that time. And they built Trail Ridge Road, which I, if you've ever been through there, you've definitely driven on Trail Ridge Road, which I have had too. Um, this place was one of the only natural like landmarks and or historic parks that didn't have train service. Mm. So you couldn't just get on a train in Chicago and ride out to Yosemite or Yellowstone like you could. Uh, you had to get off somewhere and then get into Rocky Mountain National Park. And that was one of the very first places that that happened. So this is, here's the tie-in to the name Enos, Enos Pills. Okay. okay. So the, one of the guys that led the charge to make Rocky Mountain National Park a national park was a guy by the name of Enos Mills. So that's where they get the name. They just a play on his name. His name was Enos Mills. So pun. We like that. Exactly. Yeah. So he, he was one of the first to, as you went back to Long's Peak, right? He was one of the first to kind of map Long's Peak. Then he was, he was one that lived starting at like age 15, I believe. He moved to that area. And then as he grew up, he mapped Net Rocky Mountain National Park. He mapped Twin Sisters, which is another very large, yeah. very long map, like hike that you can do, which you can see from Rocky Mountain National Park, which I believe is, it, it's not part of like park proper, but it's, it's still there. Like there's Roosevelt Forest is right there. And then right in between kind of the two is uh, Longs Peak and uh, Twin Sisters. So Enos Mills was a prominent figure in the city at the time, at that time when it became a national park and had, did a lot of work to make it a national park. That makes sense, I guess. That's, that's kind of cool how they tie the history to the beer, you know? Um, the last thing I have about it was in 1966, that was their 50th anniversary of being a national park. And it was really in disrepair. Like 
World War II happened. Nobody was going to the parks. There was no upkeep. There was no budget. And in 1966, they made like a, like a conscious effort to make it better, basically bring people in. Mm -hmm. And they fixed a lot of trails. They paved some roads that hadn't never been paved before. And it kind of was the beginning of what we know it is to be as now. So, and that's, you know, 50 years into it, but 50 years later, it still kind of stands as, as what they did back in the sixties. So pretty cool. There's a, there's, there's a lot of fun. There's a, there's a, uh, on the, there's two different entrances from, from Estes park into Rocky mountain national park. So there's, there's the top side entrance where there's a lot of, uh, like cabins. There's a, uh, there's a river that kind of runs all the way down through from the park through town. So there's just cabins and uh, hotels, motels that kind of dot that all along the way down through that to that road. On the other side, you've heard, if, if you're familiar with the area, there's the YMCA. And the YMCA there in Estes Park is huge. It's enormous. And they do, like, they do summer camps and just a ton of different stuff all throughout the year. So on that side, there is a visitor center that's set up. And there's always, you can always count on either elk or deer being in that valley right down by, which is called, I believe it's called Lower Beaver Meadows, which is right down in there. And then always, like you can always see elk or deer down in there. But they always have like a video running. Uh, oh, like a, every half hour, they have like a little auditorium. This is in the before times when we could actually sit in an auditorium together and uh, and and watch those things but they talk through that kind of how you know the the uh the history of that area and then the people that helped kind of form that area including enos mills if you go do the do the research on enos mills and you look him up it, enos mills died at age 52 so not he was young not yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly not in 1922 so i guess okay that's relative 1922 52 is could be old ish right uh he died from blood poisoning because he had an infected tooth oh boy yeah so he had a tooth that i mean obviously maybe could have just could maybe a root canal or something just knocked but, it out with a hammer yeah Right. Like, like, Ooh. like castaway, right? Like, bam. But yeah, he died from blood poisoning from an infected tooth, unfortunately. He, so, and, and the only other, so like I said, my, my family's been going there for a year. My family, my wife's family, which is now my family, obviously has been going there for years. And we, uh, we, we have a picture that was taken at Long's Peak because my wife's mother's maiden name is Long. And so is she related. I, I don't believe she's related at all. No. Oh. However, she had it, her family. So her grandpa had a chance to purchase an acre of land outside of Estes park. And I, we've actually seen this acre of land. So we went back and did some of the research or whatever through the family. Cause he wrote this down. Like he kept a fairly, a, a, a fairly accurate diary. The first time they went, he's like, I could purchase this acre of land just outside of town for $50. And that's too much money. I can't afford like that acre of land right now would be worth, worth a lot of so bucks. much money. Yeah. But I mean, he was a very frugal guy. 
And so he didn't, yeah. he ended up not purchasing this land. It's, it's over on the Mary's Lake side, honestly. And that's, yeah, that in, one his, acre. His family, yeah, one acre for $50. For so, how family much is that worth there. now, do you think? Uh, an acre like that, you're probably, it's, it's flat. So it's all, uh, you could, you could build on it. I mean, yeah. you're looking at anywhere between three quarters of a million to a million dollars. Jeez. Now. Oh. So crazy. Yeah. Well, the other little piece of research I did, it kind of ties back to a couple of things we've talked about before. Uh, but really what it boils down to is rock cut, rocky mountain oysters. Ooh. So I wanted to get into rocky mountain oysters and why they're called that and kind of the history of what that is. Um, they're called meatballs in, in Canada, <laughs> as they should be. Uh, in Texas and Oklahoma, they're called calf fries. In Spain, Argentina, and Mexico, they're called Huevos del Toro. <laughs> so that makes sense to me. Also, they're known as cowboy caviar, Montana tender groins, not tenderloins, but tender groins, <laughs> dusted nuts, dusted nuts, and swinging beef or mountain oysters. So we're talking testicles, right? That's where we're at. Bull right. testicles. <laughs> they sell these. I don't know if you knew this, Rich. You might have been here before, but they sell these in the concession stands at Coors Field. I I believe I have walked past that. Uh, that yes, that vendor yeah. before. This. So you can get one at the Colorado Rockies baseball game. You can get a whole you know little bucket of Rocky Mountain oysters. I guess I want to say that's. I want to say it's left field, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I'm gonna, I'm going to say that's true. So it hangs to the left. Is what you're saying. Okay. Um, in Eagle, Idaho, this is the world's largest testicle festival. It's the second week of July, and that's all they do. They cut them, and they serve them. And you're buying them, and you're eating them, and you're chewing them. That's just how it works. Here's some other places that have them, festivals. There's one in Clinton, Montana. Deerfield, Michigan, Huntley, Illinois, Olean, Missouri, Severance, Colorado, Tiro, Ohio, that's T-I-R-O, and they also have one here uh, a little bit north of like Plattsmouth, Louisville area. Mm -hmm. There's a restaurant up there, like uh, South Bend. Around the Bend. Yep, and they have a testicle festival every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing. They have T-shirts and whatnot, and you go there and and, and get them. Um, they also sell not just bull fries, if you if you will, but um, other places around the the United States sell pig fries, mm. turkey. They call them turkey testies, you know, because alliteration. Uh, lamb fries, which you will remember from Funny Farm, the Chevy Chase. 80s you know comedy vehicle where he sets the record he's like one away and he's like man these are so good what are they and they're like oh these are lamb testicles and he's like ah. i think he still beats the record um and 
this is something I guess maybe Dolan knows about because I think he's a fan of the office, but Dwight gives these to Michael on the rooftop one time of Dunder Mifflin. He gives them some bull testicles and they enjoy some Rocky Mountain oysters up on the roof. And they do have stouts made of these. I've, I've heard of them. I've never had one. Thank goodness. I can't imagine opening a can and having to take a knife and poke testicles down so you could drink the beer. I don't know if that's how it works, but that's in my mind that that is how it seems to be. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I've ever, I've, I, yeah, I've, I've had them. I've tried them once. That was enough. I, I'm good. And uh, yeah. Testicle. I was I was tricked into eating them when I was a kid, and I I liked them, so I will still eat them. I will. I mean, if it's like a special or a festival or something, I will still get some. Um, I don't seek them out, <laughs> but they're good, and and don't discount them unless you try them. Look, we hot dogs which is everything. Yeah, yeah that's true. So, yeah. On a regular basis, I, I don't think, yeah, just because you know what you're eating shouldn't change, shouldn't necessarily change your mindset. Well, I, I don't know, because it's a visual, right? Like a hot dog, I assume, is just like a bunch of stuff ground up. Okay, yeah. I, can, I can deal with that. Yeah. But I know, generally speaking, what a testicle looks like. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you just slice it off, throw it in the fryer, and then give it to me, I, I don't, I don't think I want it. <laughs> okay, let me. Okay, so let me ask you a question. And this, I mean, this could be, this could be the beer talking, obviously. Right. Yeah. Would, would you rather eat the actual like wiener itself, uh-huh. or the testicle part? Because uh, I'll, take, I'll take testicles every day of the yeah, week. Yeah, I would. Units. I'd rather have the testicle. Yeah, right. and I don't know why that is, but that would. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, it jives with me. Look, look. I've. I mean, I've. We've all had many different cuts of beef, and I think we can agree that beef tastes like beef, and it's really just how you cook it <laughs> that makes the difference. <laughs> um. My my grandma, being Filipino, she's into the whole like cow eyeball thing. Ooh, um, the tongue. And oh, I eat the tongue. I'll make tongue. And uh, I know lingua. Rich for sure has had tongue tacos on lingua on tacos. tacos. Yeah, lingua yeah. is actually a very good taco. Uh, my brother-in-law makes a fantastic lingua cow tongue roast mm-hmm. where. It takes probably twice as long to slow cook, but it is fantastic. It, it that's one of my favorite cuts, I think, of of cow in general. But um, I think, like like I said, beef tastes like beef, and it's it's all about how you cook it. And I have heard of people having bad experiences with Rocky Mountain oysters, uh, you know, chewy, uh, yeah. rubbery, you know. But my first time, it, it was actually not as not like that. It's kind of like gizzards. Like some people get gizzards and they get a bad one and then they're like, oh, this is really bad. And then, you know, they get a good one and it's really good. But 
it just just really depends i think try them try them before you knock them i i i think that would be my that'd be my advice too just give it a shot put it out of your head you can't think about it mm. just give it a shot same with tongue langwa is the same way like put it out of your head and you're like this is the best like maybe slow cooked roast beef i've ever had and Don't they use that in menudo uh no they use uh shoot i forget what they use but it's not tongue <laughs> okay yeah um but tongue is is exactly what rich said like tongue is like roast beef on steroids like if you like roast beef like mm-hmm. it's the most roast beef tasting cut of the cow that you can get <laughs> right yeah. yeah it's now the the clearly the cooking process is different like you got to oh, slow yeah. way longer because it is such a it, it is such a non-fatty it's a muscle yeah just right. straight up but yep and you got to peel that you got to peel it too no no let's not you got to <laughs> peel it no, if you're gonna no. if you're gonna try it you got to peel it don't because if you don't peel it you're gonna have a bad day <laughs> So clearly Brian is the, I don't care how the sausage is made. Yeah. Guy. Don't tell me about it. I'll just eat it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, which it. is totally fine. Like that, that's, that's just, that's that, and sometimes how that, that's how beef processing beef yeah. or chicken, whatever works. Well, and that's how, that's how my wife is too. She has a hard time eating meat if there's bones in it. Um, it's just off-putting for her. It's like, yeah. oh, what is that? No, 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 no. And yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just, it's just that's where the flavor's at. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I will. I, I'd be amiss if I didn't uh, touch on at least the brewery information just a little bit uh, because of where they're located and stuff. If you are familiar with us, Estes Park, Colorado. Your kids are want to go are gonna want to go on the big slides, and there are they're like the big like the big slides where you like get an like, alpine slide or something. No, that's on the other side of town. They're built. Oh, okay. This is like a very large metal slide where you get like a potato sack and oh. you walk all the way up this thing of stairs and you slide down a big metal slide. If you know where that is, it's right across the street. So your kids can go on the slides all they want and ride go karts and whatever. And you can park and walk across the street and go to uh, to Rock Cut, which is it, it's right there. It's across the parking lot. Do they so, have food there that's not Rocky Mountain oysters? Food trucks, yes. Okay. Um, this would have worked really well a couple of weeks back when we talked about uh, Chinese food. Arguably, the best Chinese place in town is in the same parking lot as Rock Cut. Oh, okay. And it's a very simple Chinese place, but it is quite good though. It's, it's very, I've eaten there multiple times. I love Chinese food. I don't care if it's authentic Americanized, I'll eat it. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) And quite honestly, if you stay anywhere close to downtown, you can walk to this place. Like it's that close. It's definitely worth it. They have a nice patio with multiple, uh, picnic tables outside if you want and they have food trucks all the time like virtually every day they have a different a different food truck that comes up there's specifically a a, a taco truck that i've i've frequented many many times that's that goes really really well with this beer right here quite honestly 
You and you and tacos. That surprises uh, me. Imagine that. That's so weird. Are you close to the? Isn't there like a creek or a little river that runs through the town? Is it close to that? I'm talking about. Yeah, it's not too far. It's not too far. So if you're staying at if you're staying on the one end of town, you're very very close to the river that runs right through. Okay. Yes. Yep. Oh, and it it is a stone's throw from Rocky Mountain National Park. So you get in your car, and in five minutes, you're at the entrance to Rocky Mountain National Park. So, Which is gorgeous. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Check it out. I've most of, like, my family is a little bit more south than Estes Park. Mm-hmm. They're in the, you know, just south of Breckenridge area, um, in the uh, South Park area. Um, so... I need to get up a little bit more north <laughs> for sure and try all this out. And I will have a Rocky Mountain oyster. <laughs> okay, so let's let's look at Untapped because I'm curious, especially from both of your point of views, because Pilsners are this it sounds so rookie to say Pilsners are newer for me. But yeah, as we talked about, right? This is where I this is kind of where I'm at how do you feel about this? Where are we at and how, where do you think it ends up on the untapped scale? It's so clean that I feel like it's, it it would, it would pair with just about any sort of food you want to eat. Um, and you could just crush these like all day. I think I'm going to go three, seven, eight on my guess. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go three, six, five. And I'm going to say the same thing. Like Pilsners for me have always been kind of that. If you want a little bit more than a lager, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I've, I've only ordered Pilsners when I'm not wanting a lot and I don't know what's going to pair well with my meal. Um, So it's funny that you bring that up. But other than that, like this is really, really clean, really solid crushable if you will yes um and yeah i think i'm gonna give it probably a three seven five maybe a four but dolan Dolan was clearly the closest here three six two out of 1896 check-ins so only 0.3 away but as a pilsner goes like you're seeking this out like like he said you're looking for this you want this and and you're you're judging it on the clean like the water and in the you know how clean was the brewing process and I this has become I brought two six packs back with me it, and I will be sad when I drink the last one <laughs> yeah that's yeah, nobody to go back right <laughs> right right nobody around here is making beer like that really Mm-mm. no not right now because it's yeah. Now, will it catch up? That's the question because yeah. two years ago, I brought I brought Brian a Brute IPA mm-hmm. that this place made, and it was good. I liked it a lot, but as Brute IPAs go, it was here and then gone. Yeah. Right? It was, it was kind of a flash in the pan sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Do they sell other six-packs at this brewery, or is this – one of the main ones. This is one of the main ones. They do. They have their IPAs made with uh, Galaxy Hops, so it's called uh, Galactic Portal. 
which Portal is a playoff of another area there in Ennis's Park. Uh, Chaos Canyon is their uh, stout, and which is really good. And that that that's kind of a playoff of obviously there's a Chaos Canyon there in mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, one of the beers that I would put up next to any beer that I've ever had, they did Chaos Canyon barrel aged in a buffalo trace barrel not too long ago oh yeah and i made jenny go back there go back it was just for one restaurant there in town so this was obviously in the before times when we could go to a restaurant yeah i made her go back three times <laughs> yeah. so so have beer? Have a stout and you know how i feel. You don't, yeah you're usually not a stout guy mm, it was it was with the base stout. it was so so good so hmm yeah, and they and they have a couple others. There's they do some sours uh, along the way, some like open kettle sours and stuff. But it's a very it's a small facility. They don't they don't distribute much outside of kind of that area, Greeley, Loveland, Longmont, kind of Estes Park area. So yeah, that's that's about it. Now hopefully someday I don't know maybe we'll get it here in Omaha. I hope we'll see. Well, as long as you're still going there, we'll we'll get some. <laughs> I'll keep bringing it back. As long as they keep doing good stuff, I'll keep bringing it back for us. That's for sure. So, all right. Uh, next couple of weeks, I teased this. I teased this a few weeks back. I'm going to tease it again because I know this is – not only is it going to – this one's going to be fun for Dolan, but the other one will be fun for Brian and I. Yeah. We've got a beer from a wrestler. Yes. And we've got a beer from – arguably one of the best hitters in major league baseball of all time who has who has since passed away but they have carried on his legacy through a beer i cannot wait yeah i'm, I'm excited for that one too Me too. i might i might just do the whole wrestling beer move <laughs> i i might i might actually sit back and just let dolan do my research part and just watch him because as if if you're a fan of the show and you and you've listened, you know that Dolan grew up around wrestling. Oh, he's a wrestler, yeah. He's a wrestling fan. <laughs> yep. Huge, huge wrestling fan. So this will be a lot of fun. So next couple of weeks, watch for those. We're not going anywhere for a while. Let's have another beer. Thank you for listening to A Beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas Medstaff an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing.